Welcome to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelik. If you're struggling to stay ahead of your daily life challenges, you will want to listen close as Eva and her guests will help you address the most important priorities first. Now, here's your host, Eva Medelik. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most. I'm your host, Eva Medelek, and I'm so glad that you chose to spend time with us today. This show is about making time for what's important to you and getting clear on what matters most. How you spend your time, effort, and energy is a direct reflection of your values and your priorities. And when it comes to how we spend our time, we don't always choose wisely. One of my favorite quotes is from the author of the Badass Book series, Jen Sincera, where she says, time comes to those who make it and not to those who try and find it. It's time for us to protect our precious time and get clear on what's important now. Now, my guest today is Linda Gratton. Now, Linda is the author of the book, Redesigning Work, and she's going to be discussing how to make hybrid work work for everyone with the redesigning of work due to the effects of the pandemic. We've had to learn new ways of working, and it's been great for some, but challenging for others. So let's lean in and listen to Linda's researched insights on redesigning work. So Linda, welcome to What's Important Now. It's so great to have you here. Thank you, Eva. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So let's tell our audience and anybody who's, who's listening today or in the future, who is Linda Gratton? Well, as a person. Yeah. Well, I'm, um, I'm a, I'm a professor, uh, management practice at the London Business School. And I know that we shouldn't really start by talking about our jobs, but sort of that's what I am, actually. Mm -hmm. I'm a researcher. I'm a teacher. I teach MBA students. I teach executives. I'm an advisor. I sit on a number of boards. I sat on Prime Minister Abe's council in Japan for some years. I sit on the World Economic Forum board. I'm passionate about work. Um, Redesigning work is my 10th book. And, And in every single one of my books, I've said, how can we make our life better uh, when we think about work? And, and one of the things that I got really excited about, Eva, was, you know, what are the things that are changing the way we work? You know, could they, that could be demographic, you know, we're going to live to 100, many of us, that means we're going to work longer. Um, they could be technological, you know, what's the impact of technology on your job? Or they could be about our social fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually, uh, um, I'm a mother. In fact, one of my sons, I'm sitting here in New York, Eva, as you know, one of my sons lives here in New York, uh, but I'm also, uh, I've been married twice. So I'm also now the mother of eight children uh, wow. and 10 grandchildren. So I have a huge family network around me and I travel a great deal. I'm very adventurous. So that's who, who I am. I write, I travel, I teach. And in between that, I'm a mother and I'm a grandmother. 
Well, and you're making hybrid work work for you because you are traveling at the moment. You're not in your your home office or yeah. studio or I'm sitting here in a hotel. In a hotel just off the High Line. I'm I, I'm looking down on the High Line. Oh in my New God, York. I love as I speak. <laughs> I love the High Line. Love yeah. it, love it, love it. Spent our 12th anniversary there, our 10th yeah. anniversary there. Yeah. So it's tell it at the moment, so it's completely empty. I can't see anyone oh, yeah. at all on the High Line. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about the main problem that you solve. I know that, you know, we really want to talk about the book, Redesigning Work, because you're, you're so much, you do so many other things as well in your um, professorship and your, your teaching and your researching. Yeah. But what is, what is the main problem that you found when you were researching that book, Redesigning Work? That yeah. was a problem that you really wanted to tackle and solve. Well, you know, Eve, forever, uh, for the, I've been a professor at London Business School now for 30 years. I've wanted to change the way that we work. I've always thought that most of us work in a way that was invented after the Industrial Revolution, you know, in the 1800s and, and hasn't really changed since. It's as if we're still walking into a factory every day, you know, going in at the same time, spending all our time in an office, walking home or getting, you know, on a commute. And, and I always thought that was crazy. And so every single one of my books, I've sort of tried to chip away at it. You know, for example, I wrote a book called The Hundred Year Life with an economist. I'm a psychologist. I forgot to mention that. And, and you know, we said, if you're living to 100, guess what? You're working until you're 70 in your yeah. 70s. So how does how does that feel? So what I've really always wanted is to have more choice about how we work and where we work uh, and more flexibility. And I had almost given up ever being able to do that until the pandemic came. And, you know, I guess guess for me, what was really interesting is that I started to take a, a journal. I kept a diary from mm-hmm. March the 23rd, 2020. And so I just saw how the whole thing was playing out. And I just think this is a great opportunity for us to change the way we work. I mean, in the book, I use the analogy of um, you know, in a way, the way that we were working was like frozen. It, it didn't hadn't really changed. The pandemic was a massive unfreeze. And I wanted to get the book out as we were beginning to refreeze, which I think is where we are now. You know, the, ah. certainly in London and I can see in New York, people are now back in the office. And it was so important for me to get this book out about now. It came out actually in the UK two weeks ago um, to say, look, you know, don't go back to where you were. Let's use this opportunity to think more creatively, more experimentally about how we work and learn new ways of working. So in the book, as you as you saw, Eva, I give loads of ideas and experiments that companies around the world are doing to sort of think, well, maybe we can do things differently and be just as productive and even possibly more productive. So let me let me ask you this, because I found, you know, in my 40 years of 40 plus years of going to work, um, that whole commute, that whole being tethered to the office, that whole having an hour for lunch or 30 minutes for lunch or whatever it was, was hugely depressing. And it was a huge catalyst for me to become an entrepreneur and have freedom of um, what one of my coaches called my perfect average day. Like I, <laughs> I love working. I love what I do. But I had this vision in my mind about how I want my day to start how I want it to flow through the day and mm. how I want to feel. Mm. I don't want to, you know, be looking at the clock, waiting for it to be over and then dreading the commute home. And 
And I think the the pandemic gave us all, I mean, I wasn't working at the time, but it gave us all freedom for that. Those people who were in that, they had that freedom to, to be home, to be able to, you know, not have to buy lunch outside, but to have control of their, of their diets and, and things like that. And so I found it like, it was just a win-win, you know, my business did phenomenally, you know, that first year of the pandemic, you know, cause I really wasn't stressed with a lot of other things. What are you finding is the problem now with people who did have this kind of virtual work Mm -hmm. are now being tasked with going back to work? What are you seeing are some of the problems that are coming up, not just for the workers, but Mm -hmm. for the employers as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well... I mean, I think where we are in the refreeze is that we're now experiencing the day-to-day challenges. I'm going to use the word challenge rather than problems here. The challenges of working differently. And um, and there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, let me let me just describe some of them. But, you know, one challenge is that you're working in a company where the CEO has said, I want everybody back into the office all the time. So that's very challenging. So if you've actually got used to not commuting every day, that, that's really hard. And it's very interesting that you know that right now we've got this great um, you know, sort of resignation. Yes. And in part, I think it's because in almost every sector that I've looked at, be that in banking or finance or retail or um, professional services, architects and so on, there's always a couple of companies that are saying we can do it differently in almost mm-hmm. every sector. And in the book, I describe some of those. So if you're an investment banker, let's say, and you've said, as some of them have, I want everybody back in the office, you can bet that there's going to be one investment bank that says, we can find a more creative way of working with you. And so I think one of the real challenges is that if you feel that you can push everybody back to where they were, I think that's a mistake. I really mm. do. And it shows, in my my view, a lack of imagination about what's possible. So, for example, you know, I've wrote in the book about an investment company that during the pandemic, because it's, it's, it's a Canadian company, but because it employs talented people from all over the world, during the pandemic, some of those people were, were, were trapped in in the country that they were born in, you know, because they'd gone back over Christmas. Do you remember Christmas 2020? They'd gone back to Portugal to stay with their parents or Argentina or wherever it was. And then March came and they couldn't get back. And so they were trapped in these countries right around the world. Now, that that Canadian investment company would never have said, we want you to work in Portugal or Argentina. But actually, that's what happened. And guess what? They found that productivity didn't go down at all. And that's why they said, and I write about it in Redesigning Work, they said, we're now going to build a policy where you can work anywhere you want within reason, because there's also yes, tax, yes. which I, yeah. I won't go into, um, for up to three months a year. So if you're an investor- Well, that's what I wrote down here. You yeah, know, when you were talking, I, I, I wrote down a note, employee productivity. Yeah. You know, in general, what will you find? I mean, because you're, listen, if you're employee, you know, happy wife, happy life, you know, happy person, happy productivity, more productivity, yeah. The, yeah. the better you feel and the better you, um, you know, are, are healthy and the happier you are, the better your performance. Have they gotten that? 
Well, well, actually, you, you, the truth is that most companies don't have a good hold on performance anyway. We don't really know what levels of productivity. But for those who do, and those are particularly the tech companies, Microsoft, TCS, and so on, they've almost all found that productivity went up. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, because, you know, the commute is a waste of time, isn't it? If you live in Tokyo or Manhattan, if you work in Tokyo or Manhattan, you have got a one and a half hour commute often to get there. And that's time wasted. So people actually work longer. Um, and and uh, but, but, but let me just say, you know, right now, I think, Eva, before we get any further on this, I'm not suggesting that everybody wants to work from home full time or right. all the time. There's no evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are companies that are completely virtual. And, and I'd actually research those before the pandemic because they're sort of fascinating. Imagine being in a company where you never meet your co-workers. But those companies do exist. But there's not many of them and they're not very large. Um, For most, I think what we're going to move towards is uh, going back into the office for some of the time mm-hmm. and working at home or in a hub. You know, you know, uh, one of the companies I've written about um, is Fujitsu, which is a Japanese company based mm-hmm. out of Tokyo. And what they said is, look, um, Japanese apartments, Tokyo apartments are so tiny, people really don't want to work from home. You know, you know these yes. are tiny, tiny, well, the same in Manhattan, tiny apartments. <laughs> so what they're going to, what they're doing is they're building offices near where people live out in the suburbs and saying you can you can go into that to work you don't have to come into tokyo so they're being much more creative about what an office is and then other companies particularly those with very creative workforces like i've written about architectural practice practices and um, marketing practices they say we want people to be back in the office you know maybe two or three days a week because we think that face to face is really important you know we want people to be creative you know we want them to see the artifacts of the culture around here so i guess you know where i've got to eva on this is that there isn't one way for every company to to do this each one has got to find its own signature and what i do in the book is to ask powerful questions to help you navigate through what it is you could mm-hmm. be questions to like get, to get clarity yeah. on what that looks like for yeah. you it's yeah because yeah. mm-hmm. everybody isn't going to want the same thing and and every company doesn't want the same thing so i think what we're going to see is a great deal more variety and i love variety and diversity because it gives people more choice yes yeah so who are you for you know, I'm when- for everybody, Eva, everyone yeah. <laughs> who wants to change the way they work. Okay. And so um, I always like to ask, ask my guests this. So people who are open, willing, open, or ready, willing, and able, if you will be, yeah. to change how work works so yeah. that... And what's so the that- benefit to them? Yeah. Okay. We, we're more productive. We're more engaged. And we're happier. There we go. So who are you not for? I'm not for anyone, particularly a CEO who says, I want to go back to just how we are. And in fact, I am fighting that right now. We mm. have a couple of ones in the UK who are saying, we've got to go back to just how we were. And I've been on a various radio you know, stations saying, no, mm. let's not go back. Yeah. I mean, those people who are... W- 
waiting for things to go back to normal. Yeah. What a shame. Know? What a wasted yeah. opportunity, Eva. Yeah. You know, 30 years, nothing's changed. We now have a chance to change it. Let's not go back yeah. to where I we mean, were. There were some benefits to being forced to, to change the way we work and how there we work were. and, yeah. um, you know, and to get those creative juices uh, going because you even see how a lot of places, you know, businesses that can't be done in, in, in a hybrid way, how they adapted their workspaces to make people yeah. feel safer. Um, yeah. You know, here in California, there wasn't there's not a lot of outdoor restaurants where I am in Northern California because mm-hmm. it's just cold all year round. Here. <laughs> <laughs> but how they made these, you know, took away parking and made these outdoor spaces yeah. and put yeah. heaters and yeah. they're making it work. And they it's did. quite more enjoyable than kind of the old way. And then you do feel safer. You know, I think you are absolutely right, Eva. And one thing that you and I am sure would absolutely agree on is that humans are very adaptable. Mm. And what we saw during during the COVID was enormous levels of adaptation and a Mm -hmm. huge quantities of experimentation. And that's why I'm not for anybody who just says, let's forget about all of that and go back to just the way we were. No, that's not going to work. Well, you've shared some amazing insights to some of the benefits and challenges of going back to the old, well, why we should not go back to the old way and some of the benefits of the creativity that the pandemic has forced us Mm -hmm. to um, really think about when it comes to how we work. So we're going to be taking a two minute break for everybody to just kind of refresh themselves. And when we come back, I want to go a little bit more into where and when we should work, because I'm sure there is a timing factor to this, um, a location factor, a timing factor, and what that looks like in order to get maybe, you know, I know it's different for everybody, but just to get the best productivity out of us as humans, like what do we need as humans uh, in where and when we work to be more productive. So everyone, (laughs) of course, (laughs) please be sure to stay with us. We're going to be back in two minutes with our guest, Linda Gratton. Thank you. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Be inspired. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. Welcome back, everyone. Oh, my goodness. We've been in this fabulous discussion with my special guest, Linda Gratton. So um, if you do have any comments or questions or anything you want to bring up to myself or Linda, we'd love to hear from you. So at any time, you can call that number, 866-472-5795. So, Linda, I've really been enjoying your insights on the opportunities that we have in um, a new way of seeing work, how we work, where we work, when we work. What are the opportunities that you're seeing in the way that we work as a result of the pandemic? Well, well, you know, Eva, I think there's a real opportunity for us to think about the place that we work in and also the time that we work. So place would be, why do we have to be in the office all the time? And the time would be, why do we have to work nine till five, five days a week? Uh, in America, with two weeks holiday a year, we actually get a lot more in Europe, I have to say. That's why I'm so jealous. And that's why I know. I'm, all I spend, Americans are jealous. You know, I married a European just so I can have six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know, it's tough. I, I, I'm on the advisory board of a Norwegian company, and they actually closed down for the whole of July. Oh, I love it. The Norwegians all go off to their log cabins in July. July, and then the French mm-hmm. go to the south of France in, in August. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's you know, it's funny life. you should say that because I was thinking this morning of, you know, the time I spent in Italy. We spent uh, time in Italy for our honeymoon and then we went back for a 10 year anniversary just before the pandemic. And just how a lot of certain European uh, countries, you know, shut down for two or three hours in the afternoon. And, you know, yeah. and I was quite disappointed as an avid shopper, you know, going shopping in the middle of the day and all of the stores were closed. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, now that I'm a lady of a certain age, I'm like, I love that concept. Just everything just stops and we take a break and a reset, spend time with our families, take yeah. a little nap so that we're refreshed for the next part of the day. Yeah, but remember, they they do stay up until nine o'clock at night. So yeah. it's not that they work That's fine too. hours. They just you know? work different hours. So, But in America, we would go straight through to nine o'clock at night. You see the difference? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's really tough. Maybe, maybe my job, Eva, is to bring some European thinking to, to America. I love it. I love there it. You yes, you're hired. Um, so, so, you know, so I think we have a chance to really ask ourselves, you know, when when we work and um, 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 where we work. And to do that, um, as I said earlier, I don't think there's one silver bullet that works for every organization. You know, each one of us and each one of our companies has got to find their way. And here's the here's the, the powerful questions that I would start with. If if I was a listener right now, the question the first question I would ask is is of you, the listener, is what do you do in your job? You know, what is what is your job about? So here's three possible things that you do in your job. One is it might be a job that quite a lot of your time is spent in focused work, you know, where you're on your own, looking through information, analyzing stuff, writing stuff. That, that's what I do actually as a writer, even that's probably what you do mm-hmm. a lot of. The second would be what I would call coordination, where you're running a project, you're talking to people, you're getting feedback, you're moving stuff along. And the third would be 
the, the, the sort of work we do, which is really about cooperation, where we're uh, with other people face to face. For example, an architectural design practice. A lot of stuff is done together, working on ideas. And so the first thing I'd say is, each one of those tasks has a different requirement in terms of where and when you work. So focus, it honestly doesn't matter where you are, but the most important thing is you're undisturbed. Mm. You're not looking at your email all the time. You've not got people knocking on your doors. And by the way, you know, we've talked about the pandemic as doing some great things, but one really bad thing habit we've learned during the pandemic is we've had far too many meetings. In fact, my friends at Microsoft told me last week that their an, an analytics show, we have, wait for this, doubled the number of meetings that we have had in our diary. So wow. we haven't spent any time on our own focus. So focus work you can do anywhere, um, but you have to be uh, undisturbed. Uh, coordination work, honestly, you can do it on Microsoft Teams or Zoom. It, it really doesn't need to be face-to-face. -face. It's a really cooperation where you have to do face-to-face -face work. So, so, so if you start with what helps, what sort of work do I do? And, and how, do I, how do I become as productive as possible in that work? Then you can start to sort of work back and say, well, that means if my job is a lot about cooperation, and I, I probably do need to spend time face to face with other people. So let's be sure that when we're in the office, A, the other people I want to cooperate are in there at the same time. Mm -hmm. And those of you know that that's already becoming a challenge. And secondly, that when we're in the office, we're not in some awful open plan thing with lots of desks, but we actually have some creative space to work. So I think that, you know, that question of, what is it that helps me product to be productive and have that as the starting question? I think that's that for me is one of the sort of propelling powerful questions that helps each of us decide what's best for us. And then at the level of the team, um, we need team agreement. So, you know, if you and I, Eva, were on a, uh, on a team with five other people and we say it's really important for us to be face to face. Well, it's no use if I come in on a Wednesday to, an, to the office, you come in on Tuesday, yeah. Sue mm -hmm. comes in on a Wednesday and Tim comes in on Thursday. So we have to have team agreements about when we're together. And that, by the way, the reason I call the book, you know, the redesign of work is you have to design work in a way that you honestly didn't have to before because everybody was in the office at the same time. Yeah. So it's I want to actually um, yeah. ask you uh, something that I've noticed, you know, yeah. I I sometimes work with or, or have speak to some some big organizations and corporations and you maybe do some coaching in some of the groups and some of them are still um you know, I guess virtual. And so yeah. you see the various virtual backgrounds that they're using yeah. as well. Um, I remember giving a speaking a, a engagement to a, a company out of Toronto and they, they had a few hundred people on there, but, you know, you can hear, you know, children coming in, yeah. being you know, and, and all of that. Funny. And so, but I also want to be conscious and mindful of some of the challenges that employees had. Yeah you know, who maybe are not in the executive level. 
yeah. that had challenges with with childcare, yeah. that had challenges, you know, financially to still be able to have, you know, you talk about this environment where you could focus oh on work was uh, an escape for a lot of people, not an escape, but kind of a sanctuary for a lot of people. They're away yeah. from the kids, they're away from the noise around the house, you know, maybe their environment is not quite as conducive to focus that a lot of us need. And, you know, you talk about diversity a little bit as well. You know, how do employers accommodate all the different needs of their employees when it comes to this kind of hybrid work? Yeah, again, great question. So, So I start the book, Redesigning Work, not asking the question, what do employees want? And the reason I don't do that, Eva, is I I am old and wise enough to know that if we build an organization completely on the basis of employee needs, then if productivity goes down, which it might as a consequence of that, then the CEO will just pull all this out in six months time. So so the opening question is what helps me to be more productive? But the second question is, what is it that I want? And, And I, in the book, talk quite a lot about the way that the marketing department looks at product life life cycles and tries to understand the consumer experience. And and a couple of the companies I talk about in the book, HSBC, for example, has used that same approach to understand employees and to basically say, where are they in their life cycle? And what's the pain and the gain that they're getting? Mm -hmm. So, So let me give you an example of that. We know that that in terms of loneliness, which is a real, you know, real problem uh, for people, uh, the the group that are most prone to loneliness are are people between the ages of 16 and 24. 45% of people in that age group say, I feel lonely some of the time. 16 to 24? Yeah, 16 to 24. I know. I I didn't expect that either. So so what that means is that it's not surprising that young people want to get into the office. They don't want to sit in, in their often shared accommodation, which is really noisy. They want to be in the office. So I think we have to acknowledge that, that there are times in our life, for example, when we're young uh, or when we've got um, you know, a, a, a lot of distractions at home, when actually being in the office, as you say, is an escape. But But what I think I'm saying, Eva, is, Let's try and be a bit more flexible about that because, you know, my guess is, and I see it, we're, we're watching now how this is playing out. You know, I like to think about this as, as, as a TV series that we're watching. We started watching it on, I started watching it on March the 24th, 2020. And I've wrote, I've written a diary every single day since then. And I think we're sort of on series two, episode three now. <laughs> and we're still, we're still, We've been binge watching for a while. Yeah, there's still a lot more to watch. You know, I'm just, I can't keep my eyes off it. It's so interesting. So, so actually young people are saying, you know, I quite like to be in the office, but, but most people are not saying I want to be in, off, on the, in the office all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. some are, but most aren't. Most people are not saying I want to work from home all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so this is why I was saying earlier that these team agreements are so important. And it's interesting. Um, I wrote a, a piece in Harvard Business Review that came out in March of this year with Diana Gerson, who's just recently stepped down from IBM, about the role of the manager. And what we said is, you know, managers are now absolutely crucial because in terms of the redesign of work, 
if you're a manager, it's you that ha- has to do that. You know, if if the if the CEO says, okay, right, we, we now want some flexibility, the manager has to negotiate with their team about who's going to come in when, mm-hmm. what are we going to do when you come in? That's so, a conductor. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, a, which mm-hmm. I think is a potentially much more exciting job, but it's a bigger job than they ever had before. What kind of pushback um, do you anticipate with this t- sort of flexibility? Well, I think that the number one pushback will be people saying it will reduce productivity. I mean, we've had a marvelous one in the UK recently. And sadly, I, I wasn't there when I, when it happened. So I wasn't able to get onto one of the early morning TV shows, which I'd love to have done, where, where one of our, our um parliamentary uh, minister said, I want everybody in the civil service and which employs, you know, millions of people. I want everybody in the civil service back in the office. And people Mm -hmm. said, well, why is it so important? She said, well, you know, we've got all this real estate we're paying for. We've got to put people in it. And I thought, what? Talk (laughs) about the tail wagging the dog. (laughs) They were just redesigning work completely around a real estate strategy so but but you know I, I sort of see his point because there is a big real estate issue and, and that's part of the reason why at the moment my research is with architects so I I'm actually working with two of the major architectural practices in the world asking what what is it that, where are we going to go with this because you know Manhattan I can see here is full of real estate which is offices so is London uh, this is phenomenally expensive what do we do with this stuff with all the real estate yeah but I don't know all that commercial real estate you know yeah. you, you know I don't know about you but when I walked around you know San Francisco even and parts of New York at certain times in the pandemic just seeing so much brown paper over all of the oh, stores yeah, that was, that it, was, it, it was just so really depressing it, it was really, really was. sad to see but you know the bounce back has been pretty quick um we know this i think in the uk we're about three weeks ahead of new york we know that because we've all had covid now in the uk because we've just gone out <laughs> yes you did you guys we've did gone well <laughs> yeah we, we all got COVID. we've all had covid in the last month even now luckily most of us have had three injections so mm-hmm. we don't get it very badly but actually London is now open um, mm. for business, completely open. And uh, it's the bounce back is phenomenal, Eva. You cannot believe it. The streets are full. The restaurants are full. People are desperate to yeah. get back to each other face they to face. They had cabin fever for so long. Cabin fever. Yeah. But, but on the flip side of that, yeah. what kind of, if any, anxiety are you noticing in people getting used to or comfortable or you know i i finally had COVID and i was kind of waiting for it and i and i've i've had my my vaccinations but it just seemed that it didn't matter if you were vaccinated or not you were going to get it and i was like okay kim let's just get it over with already but i found my attitude changed after i got it i felt much more relaxed yeah and less fearful of getting it once i got it than beforehand who am I going to get it from? That it, you know, yeah, yeah looking I, like I everybody agree. like they were a petri dish. So I had that level like, whew, got that over with. Wasn't so bad, you know. Now, full speed ahead. Let's get on with it. Yeah, yeah. let's get on with it. Mm. What are you seeing when it comes to going back into the office and being in a confined space? Well, certainly it depends on the country, actually. Uh, and, you know, different countries have different views about this. Uh, in the UK, um, 
we are pretty much back to how we were, to be frank. Um, mm. it, it, there is still some mask wearing. I, you know, I, I feel more people, we should be wearing masks, but we're mostly not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, I think you'll notice within the next three or four months, unless there's a new variant, that everybody will uh, be be wanting to interact with each other. But, but that doesn't mean I don't think that we'll just go back to how we were. As I said earlier, I do think we have an, an, a real opportunity to redesign work, to make work more flexible, to, to build it around what helps me to be most productive, uh, but also to understand people's life cycles uh, and what's, you know, what's really important to them at, at any point in time. And I think the combination of knowing about the job and knowing about the person can really help you to design work in a way that helps them become the very best that they can be. Absolutely. And, you know, and I and I can't help but think of, you know, having some support for people who may be having trouble with the reentry, you know, yeah. kind of similar to when you come back from vacation. It's really hard to, <laughs> to get back into the swing of things at work like reentry can be can be challenging. And I'm yeah. wondering how. You know, and we'll talk about this after the break because we're going to be taking a two minute break. But when we return, I want to talk to you about what do you think employers and employees should do to set themselves up for success in some re-entry and going back to in-person work, whether it's hybrid or no, like how can you manage that, something that hasn't been the norm for two years and what that new normal looks like for sure. So I want to dive into that, the benefits of hybrid work, any pushback. So stay with us, guys. We'll be back after this two minute break. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. 
Welcome back from the break, everyone. I hope you have been enjoying this lively discussion as much as I have, because it really gives you a lot to think about. You know, even as I was talking with you, Linda, you know, more questions kept coming into my mind, just kind of the psychological effects Mm. of, um, you know, with some employers who may want to have things go back to the way they were Mm pre-pandemic, what the new pandemic workplace is going to look like if we've redesigned it and how that's going to be on our our mental health and well-being. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're a little bit more immunocompromised or have concerns or someone at home, you know, all of the things that we have to think about, like now we're going back to work and we kind of need to work <laughs> mm-hmm. so that we can survive. So welcome back, everybody. If you have any questions for my guest, Linda Gratton, or you have any comments for us, please remember you can call at any time to 866-472-5795. So what are the... I don't know if the word is fail safes or what word I'm looking for. How do you suggest we set people up for success in this this new way of working, hybrid work or back to the office or staying virtual? How can we have support systems in place for our um, employees and for the employers who are running their own challenges, trying to make it work for everybody? Mm. Well, it's a great question, Eva. And, you, you know, one of the things I did in the book, Redesigning Work, is I said, we're going through a design process now. You know, pop, the first bit is understanding where we are, you know, understanding the job and the people as I describe. The second is to reimagine work. And we've talked a little bit about how you might do that. And the third is how do you then, you know, pull it all together? And I think that's where we were are at the moment. And I think there's three groups that are going to be really important going forward. The first is the CEO and the senior team. You know, so if you're running a company yourself, whatever the size of it is, you need to build a story about what the future is. So if it's mm. a story that says, I want, I don't want anything to change, that's not going to really engage or excite people. So we've seen, you know, for example, the CEO of Microsoft has said, look, we, we don't know where we're going right now, but we're going to learn. We don't, we don't know, we're going to learn as we go along. So please experiment and take risks. That's been his big deal. I've worked, we've looked at another CEO who says, you know, the most important thing going forward is that we serve our customers. So we don't mind how we work, but that's got to be the red line. You know, how do we serve our customers? Others have said, engagement is really important that's that's really where we're pushing for so one group that's really important are people who lead people who have whose role it is to talk about what the long-term vision of the organization and is to, and to tell stories about their own experience and, and how they want to live. The second, whom I've referred to already, is team leaders. I just think they're going to be so crucial, Eva, because it's they who have to make these team agreements about when are we going to come together? What are we going to do? And also the sort of social aspects of it, because frankly, certainly what we've seen in London over the last few weeks is that People have got to be enticed back into the office. Um, You're not allowed, certainly in the UK, to say you've got to be here. There's no law that allows that. So you've seen a lot of social events and people, you know, coming together and just reconnecting with each other. And then the third group, of course, is each one of us, you know, the employees ourselves. And I think that it's a good opportunity for us 
to sort of stand back and ask ourselves, what do I want? What have I learned from the pandemic? I, I have a column in MIT Sloan, which, which I really love, actually. It's a great opportunity for me to sort of think about things. My last column was about how change is happening, both because we as individuals have spent the pandemic learning new habits, changing uh, the way that our behaviors, learning new skills. And the question that we're asking ourselves is, what could I become? You know, as a psychologist, the word I would use is, what is my possible self? You know, mm. as I look forward, what would be the life that I could have? And the people who are making changes, and I, I would call those sort of social, you know, those are the social activists, the people who are saying, you know, I want to now spend more time with my kids or I want to travel or whatever it is I want to do, then I think this is a really good time to have that conversation with yourself and to really ask yourself, what do I want out of the next few years? And what does that mean about the way that I change work. Because one thing I do know about the notion of, of change is that there is a, a dynamic of change and then organized start, organizations start to refreeze. They start to say, okay, this is what it's going to be like going forward. So if you as an employee don't make clear now what it is you want, then don't be surprised if in a year's time you're not getting it. You know, I, I couldn't help but think, you know, with all of the talk about um, diversity and inclusion when it comes to creating safe spaces in the workplace, you know, who do you think employers should enlist to support them in making sure that with the new way that work yeah. has got to look like how they can be mindful and conscious in creating that safe, inclusive environment so that everyone feels seen, heard, um, and considered yeah. in the new work environment as well. Well, you know, even my, my take on this is the, how important it is for employees to talk to each other. And, and, and I, I have a, a consulting practice, HSM, and one of the things that we've been doing over the years is to build platforms to allow, you know, up to hundreds of a hundred thousand people to talk to each other. And I know very few companies have a hundred thousand people, <laughs> but, but I, but I do think talking to your peers, talking to your colleagues is really important right now. And, and I would certainly suggest to everybody who's listening, you need to go back and, and form a community of people who, whatever that is, and to talk to each other and say, what is it do we want? What's really important? What's really going to help us to be productive? Because that it's those communities that will, we know that those are the, the engine of change. Of, of course, you know, leadership can, can say something that goes, that, 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 that percolates down, but inevitably it's also we, the employees, whose needs and wants and aspirations percolate up. And the more that we can connect to each other, mm -hmm. then the better able we are to collectively say, you know, this is what we want. This is what's important to us. And I think right now, 
that leaders are in a very much a listening mode. Mm. I don't think they expected the great resignation. I certainly mm. didn't. And I yeah, think that fact, was kind of a slap in the face for them, a wake up call really to, to listen more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what came out of that. What came out of the great resignation is that people left because they felt that they weren't being listened to. And so, you know, if you want to have a, a positive effect about the way that your job is designed, the, the best way to do that is to talk to your peers about it and then talk to others and say this is what we want now i think right now because of the great resignation i think leaders are in a listening mode and the, you know i talked earlier about how change happens because individuals change but the other thing that the leader is doing is they're looking at what their competitors are doing. Mm-hmm. So part of what I do as an academic, and this is why I was so keen to get the book published this month, the book is full of examples of what companies are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like the company that's got the four-day week or the uh, working week or the company that's really focusing on, uh, as I said, you know, you can work anywhere you want for three months, three months a year, or the company that's putting all of its um, induction into into virtual reality. I mean, these are all Mm -hmm. experiments. I'm not saying that you as a company should do any of those, but you should be aware as a leader that there are companies in your sector that are probably being a lot more creative and innovative than you're being. And that means your employees could walk there. Mm-hmm. And probably are moving to work there. So my concern yeah. is, um, we, you know, and I hear you say the employers, the employees, excuse me, you know, need to really share what's important to them, what matters the most to them, you know, hence the name of my show. Mm-hmm. Um, my concern is, like you said, feeling heard. Mm. and feeling listened to or having fear of speaking up for fear that, you know, their opinion may not be popular or what they want is not popular or they've never listened to me before. How are they going to listen now? Because I know employers are looking at things differently now. Um, What is the role of the employer in creating a safe space for the employees to speak? to yeah. have a voice at the table and to be heard when they yeah. use their voice at the table so that they can create this mm. new design of work mm. that takes in consideration mm. the needs of their employees and their employees feel like, okay, we maybe we didn't get everything, but we felt heard, yes. they listened to us. Um, yes. You know, we have the opportunity for ongoing discussions moving mm. forward. We're trying mm. this first because, a lot of people don't have the courage to speak yeah. up because of past experiences. So, yeah. you know, the employers are listening now, but how much do the employees know that they're mm-hmm. being heard? Well, you know, again, this wonderful, wonderful observation and question, Eva. Um, here's a very interesting set of research data that came out during the pandemic. So companies, mostly tech companies actually, who had really good data on productivity and engagement, they looked at at all the things that predict whether someone's going to be productive and engaged. And guess what they find? And I've seen this now across four different research groups, uh, research data sets. They found that 
managers who had more one-to-one conversations with their team, uh, that was the major driver of engagement and productivity, one-to-one time with their teams. And that's actually, that was why, that was one of the reasons that Diane Gerst and I wrote that Harvard Business Review article called Managers Can't Do It All, because we said, we're asking them to to do all this one-to-one work, but at the same time, we're asking them to do a hundred other things. So the article basically is about how do you get stuff off their plate so -hmm. they can concentrate on the most important job they've got, Mm -hmm. which is, talking to people on a one-to-one basis, empathizing with them and listening to them. And that's why, you know, Dan and I both said, it's all about managers. It's all about team leaders, listening and being empathic. And the real practice was the one-to-one practice where you actually have a one-to-one conversation with somebody and you listen to what it is they want. And I I agree with, I agree with you, Eva. I don't think any worker believes for a moment that an organization can deliver on everything they want. We, We know that's an impossibility, but when you think about fairness and justice, which is something I write about a lot, and I know you're very interested in fairness comes because you feel that you've had your voice heard. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that makes the biggest difference to feelings of justice and fairness. I had my voice heard. So it's so important that as we go forward, team leaders actively listen to what people want, even if they can't deliver it, at least listen and then talk about what's possible. Yeah, because most conflicts happens when we don't feel seen, heard, yeah. or acknowledged. And, yeah. you know, I, lo- I love you shared that about listening because there is a skill to how we listen. Yeah. You know, we've got to, all of us across the board, have got to listen for understanding, not yeah. to defend and not to respond and not to fix. But when someone feels that you've heard them and you've understood them, you know, that is relationship currency right there. And yeah. it is priceless absolutely priceless so you know it's just prioritizing hearing Mm. and listening and making that that effort i mean a lot of companies have employee reviews you can do kind of the same thing with listening to your employees one-on-one i mean it really is redesigning a new way to do that as well because it's going to be really important Mm -hmm. to um to reverse the great resignation and have your company be the one that people want to work for yeah oh my goodness we are down to our last two minutes oh my god this was so fabulous thank you for joining us linda this has just been amazing your insights and your research have been so helpful and um you know really looking at ways i mean this is really powerful information and showing us how we can make hybrid work work what are the steps that we have to do who do we have to listen to you know how you know how can we be inclusive into hearing the voices of the people that it truly matters for in making this work yeah so thank you thank you for joining my pleasure thank you thank you eva and so i just want to remind everyone that time has a wonderful way of showing us what really matters And even though the show is ending, the conversation does not need to end. We can keep the conversation going. 
So Linda, how can people find you to keep this conversation going? Well, I have a wonderful website, which is www. Uh, dot Linda Gratton, Linda with a Y, L-Y-N-D-A, Gratton, G-R-A-T-T-O-N. And if our, li- our listeners go to that, Eva, they can download for free a blueprint, which actually summarizes some of the key points I've made. Um, I also narrated the book myself with the audio book, which I've oh, never done a- before. I've oh, always, always, awesome. always had actors, but this time I did it myself. So if so please, would- please join that. Yes. Linda, thank yes. you so much. Thank I you. don't want us to cut you off, but you can yes. also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and be sure to join us next week for What's Important Now, Making Time for What Matters Most. Our guest will be Dr. Kelly Rutley, and she'll be talking about health and lifestyle medicine medicine. So I'm your host, Eva Medelec. And remember, real gratitude for life shows up in how we manage our time. So until next time, bye for now. Thanks for listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec. We hope we've been able to inspire you with today's show to take control of your own life and focus on the win. What's important now? Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.